0: is to a question this morning that i want to ask you but before i ask you i want to tell you that i am alan greer i'm a minister here to experienced adults and you may or may not know that but god has allowed us the amazing privilege to serve with you for two years up to this point and hopefully many more in the future and we are so blessed nancy and i are so blessed to serve alongside such an amazing group of cool kids, uh, 60 plus, but also each one of you. God's given us uh, great new friendships. God has given us a great place to serve. And, And Travis, I am so blessed to serve with you. So thank you for allowing me that privilege. Uh, Today, we're going to be in John chapter 6. So if you have your Bible or your phone, turn with me to John 6. And we're going to go flip over to about verse 60 when we get into the details this morning. But I want to tell you about my niece, Ashley. Ashley is uh, 40. I'm going to get this wrong, and then she's going to watch this, and I'm going to be in big trouble. Uh, She's born in... See, she's, she's 41. There you go. We're gonna go with that. We're gonna set with that Now the thing about Ashley is she's an amazing niece and I love her to death our family does but she also has a Handicap and that's down syndrome But that has not stopped anything and I'm not sure it's a handicap for her because she is an amazing young lady but what we find is every time we talk to her which is about every other day Uh, The niceties start out with a conversation. Then it is, can I see your face? And what she means is, can we FaceTime so we can see each other? So they talk, Nancy more so than I do. I just kind of inject into the conversation from time to time. But somewhere in the course of the conversation, she's going to ask this question. Or actually, she's going to ask, I got a question for you. And she has, I got a question for you. Injected in the conversation about 30 times different things that she wants. So for instance, she's got a question whether Judd and Travis can build her a guest home in the back of our home So she can have it to live in so she, I don't know Judd and Travis I don't know how she knows you can do that, but she thinks you can do that The main thing she wants to know is this if, can you put a mini fridge and a microwave in my room when I come to visit with you so we're working on that if anybody wants to help out with that you're welcome to do so I got a question for you here's the question why do you follow Jesus why do you follow Jesus now I know that's a simple question but it's a significant question because the reality is our answer my answer your answer is going to affect how we live every day of our lives Now, off the top of our heads, I'm pretty sure in this group of people, we could come up with some answer or some reasonable answer as to why we follow. But this morning, I want to take just a few extra minutes, and I want us to take a bit of a deep dive into why we follow Jesus. Steve Shadrach is a peer of mine. He's in Arkansas, which is where I'm from. He was a guy who started several ministries, mostly with college age students, about mobilizing them into mission. But he wrote a book that I was introduced to. It was entitled Brown Like Coffee A Spiritual Energy Shot for College Careers. In chapter four, Steve makes this reason why I follow Jesus. And here's some of the reasons. Number one, I'm addicted to the love of God. Well, that's a great reason, right? And Jesus has radically changed my life. Another great reason why we would follow Jesus. But the one that intrigued me, the one that really stood out, the one that had significance for me was the truth is very hard to run from. The truth is very hard to to run from. Steve goes on to say this. He says, "I've studied the religions of the world. None have a Jesus. None have a perfect God man who died for our sins, and rose from the dead. None have a salvation by grace alone through faith alone as the way to heaven in Jesus Christ." Steve wrote this book to engage college students, but I really feel like that it is something for us to ponder today. Why do we follow Jesus? Because why we follow Jesus determines what we do every day of our lives. So the question, why do you follow Jesus? And before we can really answer that question, we need to ask this question. Are you following Jesus? And before we can answer that question, we may need to back up and ask this question. What does it mean to follow Christ? In John 6, verse 67 Jesus, the scripture says, turns to the 12 disciples and he asks them a very pointed question. Here's what he asks. Are you going to leave also? Let's get a little context to that question. Jesus has been on a mountainside teaching. You may know it as the feeding of the 5,000. crowd is hungry. Jesus turns to Philip, one of the 12, and he says, let's feed all these folks. Now, I'm sure Philip, along with some of the disciples, are trying to figure out how in the world are we going to do that? Where are we going to get the money to feed all these people? They come up with five loaves and two fish from a little boy in the crowd, and Jesus took those five loaves and those two fish, and he blesses and multiplies and feeds everyone, and Scripture tells us there are leftovers. Just a reminder, by the way, that Jesus provides just what we need when we need it as the crowd was fed verse 15 of john 6 says jesus knew that many in the crowd were about to come and take him by force and make him an earthly king so as a result of him knowing that and understanding that perceiving that jesus the word of god tells us withdrew to the mountain again by himself So the next morning comes, and all these people, they're looking for Jesus. Where's Jesus? And they realize that he was nowhere to be found, and they also realize that there's a boat missing, and so they decide to boat across the lake to the other side where they find Jesus, and Jesus begins to teach them again. Now, this is the Alan Greer paraphrase, but this is what I feel like he said and kind of summarizes the scriptures we're looking at. I know why you're here, Jesus says, You're here because yesterday I performed a miracle for you and I I fed you. I fed you dinner then and now what you want me to feed you breakfast. You want me to do another miracle for you and provide breakfast for you. But what you don't understand is I didn't come to give you physical food. I came to give you truth, spiritual food. Now, Jesus goes on to explain in those scriptures leading up to the ones we look at today what it means to follow him and what's entailed in following him. And they they hadn't really come for that. They hadn't come for a sermon. What they had come for was breakfast and a miracle. And the things that Jesus was sharing was not really what they wanted to hear. By this time in ministry, there are tens of thousands of disciples following him, and they all have varying degrees of devotion. So there are a lot of people following, and then he refers to the 12, which we'll look at in just a moment. Jesus knew that for many of the disciples that were following at this time, that their devotion was, was wavering. It was waning. In fact, in verse 60 of John 6, it says, these disciples described Jesus' teaching that day as very hard now Jesus teaching wasn't hard to understand it was just hard to accept it wasn't hard to understand what he was saying it was hard for them to accept verse 66 of John 6 says the Bible speaking here many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him Rather than changing their minds to the Jesus way, they walk away, completely abandoning Christ, his teaching, his ministry. In hunting terms, they are fair weathered followers. When the going gets tough, things get hard, hard to accept. In this case, they no longer want to walk with Jesus. Now, I love duck hunting. I would blow a call, but it would hurt your ears in this room. But I love ducking, and I, I, I began that love in 1992. I, my family and I moved to the Delta of East Arkansas. I was a new pastor at the First Baptist Church of Mariana. I didn't know what all was in store for me, but I found out fairly quickly when November came around. Marianne was a small town It was known for farming they farmed cotton and rice those were their p- the two big crops and they were known for guess what duck hunting duck hunting i was introduced to duck hunting that first winter and after my first hunt i was hooked i was in love i loved duck hunting i lived in the flyway where those beautiful mallard uh, green heads would fly back and forth. I was in the right spot. I just didn't know it yet, but I was about to find out, find out. After my first hunt, as I said, I was in love. I hunted in the rain. I hunted in the ice. I hunted in the cold, and sometimes I hunted in the snow. I was a fully devoted duck hunter. I was a duck hunter that was dominated by the hunt but there are those that we fully devoted duck hunters refer to as fair weather duck hunters those are the ones that on opening day they hunt which by the way is usually the best day of hunting and then they find every excuse possible not to hunt the rest of the season. So in other words, when the hunting gets hard, ice, snow, rain, no ducks, less ducks, fair-weather hunters stay home. Not me. I hunted. I hunted every day of the season except Sundays. And there's a whole story behind that I'll share with you another day one. In John 6, these fair-weathered followers, they desert Jesus. They abandon Jesus. And Jesus turns now to the 12, those 12 disciples And he says in verse 67, are you also going to leave me? Are you going to abandon? Are you going to desert? Are you going to walk away? Are you going to stay? Are you going to go? Are you going to follow me? Or are you going to go your own way and abandon these truths? Now, Peter responds to Jesus's question in verse 68. But before we deal with what Peter says, let's go back to our first question. What does it mean to follow Jesus? From the very beginning, when Jesus calls these 12 disciples, his invitation was simple. Follow me. Simply follow me. Now understand, for him to say that to them, to follow him, they had to leave their home, and they had to leave their jobs, and they had to leave their family. They had to leave everything that was familiar and comfortable in order to follow Jesus. This invitation to follow me was more than following like we would follow on Facebook with our finger and like and do that. That's easy. But this following that we see here, if this disciples are going to take Jesus up on the offer to follow me, they're going to give up everything that's familiar. If they're going to get in step with Jesus, if they're going to stay really close to Jesus, they're going to have to Leave what is comfortable to do so. Now, I was at a a stoplight, a traffic light this past week, Tuesday, here on Governor's Drive, and I was behind a pickup truck, and I noticed on the back window of his pickup truck was a, a bumper sticker, should have been on his bumper, but it was on the back glass of his truck. I couldn't read it very clearly, I just knew it said something about Jesus, and because I love Jesus... I pulled my truck up, maybe a little too close. If my family were telling the story, they'd say, really too close. But close enough that I could read what the sticker said. Here's what it said. Do you follow Jesus this close? (laughs) I think he waved at me. I'm not sure it was a wave, but anyway. (laughs) And my family would say, served you right. You, You were too close. Jesus said a whole lot about following him. Shelley shared one of those verses, here's a few. Luke 14:26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, his wife, his children, brothers, sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. That's hard. It's not easy. Matthew 16 24 which Shelley read to the kids earlier if anyone desires to come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me listening to the words of Jesus it becomes pretty apparent that being a part of his kingdom the kingdom of God is not simply being a member but it's about being a follower being a part of his kingdom is about following King Jesus and there's a significant difference between being a member and being a follower. Now back to the first question. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Jesus tells us the requirement actually in Luke 14, says, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. The message says it this way. Simply put. If you're not willing to take what is dearest to you, whether it's your plans or people, and kiss it goodbye, you can't be my disciple. Hard to understand or hard to accept? Now keep that in mind and let's look at the second question. Are you following Jesus? If being a part of the kingdom of God is about fellowship, I mean fellowship, and not membership, then are you following Jesus? The way we answer that question depends on what criteria we use. If following Jesus simply means that we have some sort of head knowledge about Jesus, if that's the criteria, then a lot of people would say, I follow Jesus. And if following Jesus means joining a church, or if it means attending church, then those might be a little less in number, but there'd still be a lot of people who would say, I follow Jesus. If following Jesus means being obedient, not to all the commands, but a few of the commands, the ones that we like, then the number might be a little less, but we probably have a pretty good number that would claim, yeah, I follow Jesus. I obey most of what he says, but what if? Following Jesus means putting our faith and trust in? The Lord Jesus Christ is Savior of our life. What if it means giving up everything that we have for everything that He is? Then I believe the number of people who can claim that might be a lot fewer. In other words, not everyone who claims to be a follower of Jesus is a follower of Jesus. Especially if following means giving up everything we have for everything that he is give me jesus when i rise when i'm alone when i'm afraid when it comes to dying give me jesus so you might say well alan what does it mean to give up everything we have for everything that he is to give up everything to follow christ what does that mean well i believe it has everything to do with the work of the holy spirit 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3 says, No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. In other words, neither you nor I can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit working in and through our lives. I cannot pledge allegiance to him. I cannot give him my loyalty. I cannot give up everything that I have to follow Jesus unless I am dominated Unless his Spirit controls me and is transforming me and in my life. That's how it happens. I think we pray for the wrong things when we ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit, because if we're a follower of Jesus, He's already done that. He's filled us. In other words, I have all of Him. Question this morning may be does He have all of me? So the prayer we should pray is not, Lord, fill me with what I already have, your Holy Spirit, but rather, Holy Spirit, dominate my life. Take full control of me. I'm yielding to you. What you say is right. Because you've saved me. uh, You've taken residency up in my life, and you alone were able to lead and to guide and to direct. You know what's right. You know what's best. That's what I believe it means to give up everything we have in following Jesus. It's surrendering our will to His will. It's loving Him with our whole heart. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to dominate, to control, to take over our life. It's yielding to Him and His will. It's understanding that I don't have to be in control anymore. Isn't that freeing? I do not have to be in control. Which brings me to the third and final question. Why do you follow Jesus? When Jesus... Here asks the 12, are you going to stay? Or are you going to go? Jesus answers, or, or Peter answers Jesus, and he's speaking on behalf of the 12, and he says in verses 68 and 69, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter makes three statements there. Let's work backwards. We'll start at the end of 69 and work backwards to verse 68. Peter says this, Claim number one, we have come to believe and to know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In other words, Peter's saying, we believe and know Jesus, that you are who you say you are. What you say you are, we believe it. We've come to believe and know that. The word believe means for you and I to be convinced and persuaded and, and totally in. We are certain of what we're saying here. In other words, Jesus, there's no doubt in our minds. We've looked at all the arguments, Jesus. We are absolutely convinced that you are who you say you are. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are fully God, and you are fully man. We believe it. Then he uses the word know, which carries this idea to know something by experience. I know this because I've experienced it. Jesus, we've walked with you. We've talked with you. We've listened to you. We've watched you, and we come to no other conclusion that you are who you say you are and you speak truth. So we have come to believe and know those things. Working in reverse, the second statement that Peter says is Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. In other words, Jesus, we believe you when you say God so loved the world. choir sang of that a moment ago that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have What? everlasting life. Jesus, we come, we've come to believe it and know that you are the only way to, for us to be right with God. Which leads us to the third claim Peter gives to us, the third statement. It's in the form of a question. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? In other words, Jesus, we don't have anywhere else to go. We don't have any other paths to follow. We don't have anything else that compares to you. You only satisfy Father, we, we're, we're not going to walk away. Walking away is not going to be an option. We choose to stay close to you. Peter might have quoted Steve Shadrach. You, Jesus, the truth, are hard to run from. In 1970, as NASA's Apollo 13 mission approached a critical decision, one that's going to impact and affect the crew Gene Krantz, the chief flight director for mission control, uttered a famous statement, now famous statement, to the ground crew in Houston. Gene said, failure is not an option. For the true follower of Christ, walking away is simply not an option. In verses 68 and 69, Peter bears witness to Jesus, his divinity, who he is, but not only that, he gives us the whole sum of the Christian life it's about faith. It's about faithfulness. Faith, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. That's faith. Faithfulness, and I'm going to stay with you. Because you have the words of life. As a follower of Christ, for, I don't have it all together. And it has certainly been a journey. And I'm learning to follow Jesus more and more each and every day. But I have to tell you I have come to believe with confidence and know by experience that no matter what comes in life good the bad the ugly whatever life brings I don't have anywhere else to go I found Jesus is what I'm looking for and he's everything that he said he would be that's my prayer for you today my prayer for you today is that you would be able to say I've looked everywhere else But Jesus, you're it.